invite you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. I want to thank Pastor George for doing a wonderful job preaching God's Word for me last Sunday. I know you are blessed by God through George. We are continuing in our verse-by-verse sermon series, our study through Galatians titled Faith, Freedom, and Family. We made our way through chapter 1 a couple of weeks ago. After a brief greeting in the first five verses of chapter 1, Paul rebuked the believers in these churches in Galatea for so easily and quickly turning away from God and turning to false teachers. Paul said in verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who calls you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. As we shared, these believers in these churches were in the process of turning away from God and the truth that Paul taught them about God to a different false gospel taught by the false teachers. Paul also defended himself, his ministry, his message, and his motivations in ministry against the false accusations of the false teachers, which were designed to create a doubt to discredit Paul in the minds of these believers that they would stop following Paul and that they would start following them. Paul also explained why he wrote these words of rebuke and defense in chapter 1, which helps us understand his truth that he was sharing with us by the power of the Holy Spirit in chapter 1. Six reasons why Paul wrote these words in chapter 1, which helps to set the course for the rest of our study through Galatians. Number one, Paul was an apostle of God. The second reason, Paul loved these believers. The third reason, Paul wanted to please God. The fourth reason was Paul spoke for God. The fifth reason was Paul was changed by God. We see in verses 15 and 16, Paul wrote, But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul said in verse 15 at the beginning, But when God, say that with me out loud, But when God, you remember that pointed us back to when God saved Paul by God's grace at work in his life through Paul's faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so we know when Paul met Jesus, everything changed. And that's really the summary of our testimony. When we met Jesus, everything changed for us. The sixth reason was Paul was trained by God. Paul understand, we remember now, that these false teachers were saying that Paul was not a true, genuine apostle of God. They were going around saying that Paul's message and Paul's ministry was from man, not God. Paul already shared in chapter 1 that the gospel he received, the gospel he was taught, and the gospel that he preached to these believers was from God, not man. Paul said it was, from, it was by a revelation from Jesus Christ. And so at the end of verse 16, we find that Paul is continuing his explanation, continuing his defense, and he said, I did not immediately consult with anyone. 
Paul is saying here, I didn't go to anyone and I didn't seek anyone's advice, approval, instruction, or training about God's call on my life, about my ministry, or about my message. I didn't go to anyone else after God saved me. He continued in verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Paul said, I didn't even go up to Jerusalem to be trained or taught by Peter, James, John, or any of the other apostles, any of the other leaders there in the church in Jerusalem. He said, I didn't do that. He said, instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. What Paul said was, instead of going up to those men at the church, which they're fine men, said, I instead went to seminary in Arabia with God. I went and spent time with God in Arabia and Damascus, and I went to seminary with God. God trained and taught Paul by God's Holy Spirit in Paul. Paul's point here in this passage is simply this. I was trained and taught by God. My message and ministry is from God, not man. Let's continue his explanation and his defense. He then said in verse 18, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. He then said, after these three years of seminary, I did go up to Jerusalem, and I went up there for 15 days because I wanted to see Cephas. I wanted to see Peter. I wanted to get to know Peter. This was his first trip to Jerusalem after his salvation. And then in verse 19, but Paul said, but I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God that I'm not lying in what I write to you. So he said, I, I did go up to Jerusalem, and after my three years in seminary, I saw Peter, and I did see James, the Lord's brother, for those 15 days. James was the brother of Jesus. James was the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. James is the author of the New Testament book of James. And so he said, I did go up, and for those 15 days, I hung out with Peter and with James. And then he said, I promise you, I'm not lying to you. He said, I'm giving you an oath. I'm giving you my word. He's writing these words and he's saying to these believers, listen, no matter what the false teachers are telling you, I promise you this is the truth. So I'm telling you the truth. And then he continued to verse 21. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So as you remember, we shared what happened here was that Paul... After 15 days in Jerusalem, that's all it took for the Jews who hated Paul, who were constantly trying to kill Paul because Paul had changed sides. Uh, they found Paul and they wanted to kill Paul. And so the brothers there, James and Peter, they went ahead and sent Paul on. And Paul went on up north to Syria and Cilicia where he ministered there in Syria and Cilicia and those regions. He got away from Judea. He got away from Jerusalem. He got away from those other brothers and he went up and he ministered. That means he preached, he taught, he shared the good news of the gospel in the areas of Syria and Cilicia, focusing in on Tarsus. That was his hometown there in Cilicia, and that's where he ministered. And he said, the believers in the Judean churches, the brothers and sisters in Christ that were in the Judean churches, that means the church in Jerusalem, 
the main home base home church, and all the other churches surrounding Jerusalem that had started to spread out from Jerusalem, those brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, they remained personally unknown to me. What he's saying was there, I had not met with them. I had not seen them. I did not talk with them. They've not heard me preach yet. I didn't visit their churches. They've not had an opportunity to talk with me, to listen to me, to hear about what God's doing in my life from me. They've not seen me in person. Paul had not had yet an opportunity within those Judean churches to share his remorse, to ask for his forgiveness from many of those believers for what quite probably happened to some of them, some of their family members during his reign of persecution when he was arresting folks and when he was giving his approval to Christians being executed for their faith in Christ. Oh yeah, these believers in the Judean churches, they would have had many, many, many different emotions when it comes to this guy that they used to know as Saul, but that they hear there's this change. Paul said, I've not been there to them yet. They've remained personally unknown to me. He said, but the one thing they do is they just keep hearing about how God has changed me by his grace through my faith in Christ Jesus. They keep hearing how the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the gospel that he once tried to eliminate. And they glorify God because of me. He said, these brothers and sisters in the Judean churches, they've not yet seen me, but from based on what they're hearing, they're glorifying God because of the change God has made in me. And so we see this beautiful end here. There's a story I read recently about uh, this couple that, uh, they're an older couple, and, and they've been married for 50 years and uh, love one another, been through a lot together, married for 50 years, and they were sitting together at home one evening in front of the fireplace, and the husband got romantic, and he just started feeling romantic with his wife, and he leaned over his wife, and he said, sweetheart, he said, I want you to know, he said, after 50 years of marriage, I found you to be tried and true. His wife was hard of hearing, and she said, well, what did you say? And he said, baby, he said, after 50 years of marriage, I found you to be tried and true. And she said, well, after 50 years of marriage, I'm tired of you too. (laughs) Now, we know at times it's easy to miss important words that are spoken to us. It's easy to just miss some things that are very important. And so before we move into chapter 2, And I can just tell you, chapter 2, man, if you thought chapter 1 was good, hold on tight. Hold on tight. But before we get to chapter 2, I want us to focus on some important words to us at the end of chapter 1. I don't want us to miss these words. I want us to sit with the Father because the Father wants to sit with us. And he wants to speak to us this morning about this one particular passage. I want you to look back to verse 18. Paul wrote these words. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. Paul went to Jerusalem for the first time after his salvation 
after his time in Arabia and Damascus in seminary with God, and he went up to Jerusalem, and he spent 15 days in Jerusalem. The purpose of those 15 days in Jerusalem was for Paul to get to know Peter and James, and it was for Peter and James to get to know Paul. 15 days. God wants us to focus in on this passage because God wants to speak to us this morning about the art of conversations, about the importance, the value of conversations. So I want us to look at just a few points that we see in this passage about conversations, and then we're going to look at some benefits that come to us from conversations. The first point is this, God has conversations with us. God has conversations with us. God has taken the initiative in all communication with us. The only reason we know God, the only reason we're able to know about God is because God has revealed himself to us. As one Bible scholar said, by God alone can God be known. One of the main ways God has revealed himself to us is in his word. God's word is a record of God's communication with his people. God's word is a record of God's conversations with his people. God had a conversation with Abraham and said, go, and Abraham went. God had a conversation with Noah and said, build an ark, and Noah built an ark. God had a conversation with Moses and said, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. God had a conversation with Joshua, and he said, I want you to lead my people Israel into the promised land. And Joshua led his people of Israel into the promised land. God had a conversation with Jonah, and he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. And Jonah rebelled against God. He disobeyed God. He turned away in his sin against God, and he went as far away from God as he possibly could. God convicted him, rebuked him. Jonah confessed and reluctantly went with God to Nineveh to preach against it. God had a conversation with Mary and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. You're giving the name Jesus. And she gave birth to a son. She gave him the name Jesus. Paul has shared with us in chapter one that Jesus confronted him and had a conversation with him on the road to Damascus. The main result of this conversation was Paul's salvation. God has confronted us before and had conversations with us before when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, when we were separated from God because of our sin against God, when we were living in rebellion against God, when we were enemies of God because of our sin against God, God confronted us and had a conversation with us. And the main result of God's conversation, the main result of God's conversations with us was our salvation by God's grace at work in our lives through our response of faith and trust in Christ Jesus. God continues to have conversations with us on a day-by-day basis by his Holy Spirit in us through his word, through prayer, through our circumstances, through one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and through others that God chooses to use in his work in our lives. The results of these conversations with God by his Holy Spirit in us help us to become more like Jesus. They help us to grow in our faith in Jesus. They help us to be effective witnesses for Jesus. They help us to bless one another in Jesus. And they help us to bless all those placed around us 
for Jesus. These conversations are vitally important that we have with God. It's Holy Spirit in us taking this word. Even now in these moments, God's Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us. And he's speaking to us in different ways because we've all got different things going on in our lives. We've all got a different call that God's called us to. We've all got different congregations. He quite possibly may be speaking to you right now about someone that you know who's in your congregation that he wants you to have a conversation with this week. He quite possibly could be speaking to you right now about someone that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to have a conversation with, and he's now going to use this time in his word to encourage you to go ahead and have that conversation because it's long been needed. Jesus demonstrated this during his time of ministry on earth. Jesus had conversations with his disciples, with his followers, even with his opponents. He had conversations in large groups, small groups. He had conversations in one-on-one settings. Most importantly, Jesus had conversations with his Father God during his earthly ministry. As Jesus would get up before light, while it was still dark, before anybody else was up, so that he could have a conversation with his Father. God has conversations with us. Secondly, God wants us to have conversations. God wants us to have conversations. Conversations open and they promote and they allow communication. Biblical communication, honest communication, truthful communication is a must for our relationship with God, for our relationships with one another, and for our relationships with all those God places around us. If you look at verse 18, Paul said, Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know. Say that with me out loud. To get to know. One more time. To get to know Cephas, that being Peter. Get to know is the key verb here. Get to know means to become acquainted with. It means to learn about. It means to see. The background in the original language to this verb, get to know, means this, to visit as a tourist. It means to visit as a tourist. A tourist visits people, places, and things to see people, places, and things. They go and visit to see those people, places, and things. I can assure you it's one thing to read about the Sea of Galilee. It's one thing to see pictures of the Sea of Galilee, but it's a completely different thing to be on the Sea of Galilee. Likewise, it's one thing to read about people. It's one thing to listen to others share about people, but it's a completely different thing to talk to people face-to-face in person. Paul didn't visit Jerusalem to be trained by Peter and James. Paul didn't visit Jerusalem to be taught by Peter and James. Paul didn't visit Jerusalem to report to Peter and James. Paul didn't visit Jerusalem at the command of Peter and James. Paul visited Jerusalem to get to know Peter and James, to become acquainted with them, to learn about them. To see them face to face. 
to talk with them in person, to have conversations with them for those 15 days. One of the many devastating aspects of the pandemic that we've seen over the course of the past year and and several months, and we continue to, to see, one of the more devastating aspects is the isolation and separation that has been caused in part in many ways due to the pandemic between brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Satan's success rate of lying, tempting, discouraging, dividing, and destroying increases exponentially when there's isolation and separation from brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Increases exponentially. Zoom meetings are good. Online worship is really good for those, especially this morning, who are streaming online. It's great. Skype, FaceTime, any of the other ways that technology allows us to communicate with one another and in ways to even see one another, those are, those are all good. And we're so thankful that we have those ways today so that we can carry on conversations. However, those ways do not and must not and cannot replace in-person, face-to-face conversations. They must not. We must not allow that isolation and separation to continue day after week, after month, after month, after month. As followers of Jesus Christ, it's as important as it's ever been. I would dare say it's more important now than ever for us to renew our commitment to having careful, and there's nothing wrong with being careful, sincere, genuine, face-to-face conversations, in-person communication. Vitally important for us because this helps to stop the isolation and separation. This helps to bring us together with one another so that we can get to know one another, become acquainted and learn about and see one another. Just as we see going on here years ago, we must endeavor to have these conversations once again as often as possible in person with one another. Now, the third point we see here is our conversation must first be with God. Our conversation should be with God first. So God has conversations with us. He wants us to have conversations, but our first conversation should be with God. Paul made this point. He emphasized this point throughout this passage. Paul said, after, then after three years, then after three years, what is he saying? After three years of seminary in Arabia, after three years of listening to God, of learning from God, after three years of growing in my faith in God, after three years of deepening my dependence on God, after three years of the Holy Spirit of God ministering to me, after three years of getting away from everyone and everybody and everything, after three years of spending this time with God, then, he said then, look what he said at the beginning of verse 18, then, say that with me, then, then, after three years, then, 
I went up and I hung out with James and with Peter. Paul talked with God before he talked with others. And this is not a proof text for us to spend three years away from one another before we go up and talk to one another. Unless we're going to go to seminary in Arabia with God and we will we'll trust that God will take care of us in that regard. It's not a proof test for that. What he's saying is this. Paul said, I talk with God before I talk with others. David the psalmist practiced this. David said in Psalm 5 and verse 3, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. David talked with God before he talked with others. Jesus practiced this principle when he was here doing ministry on earth. Jesus always found time to get away. He made time to get away with God before it was light. While the disciples were still sleeping, he would go up on a mountain and pray and to converse with God. He talked with God before he talked with his disciples, followers, and others. And we're to follow the example that Jesus set. As Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Your needs will be met. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, all those other needs, all those things that we tend to worry about, they'll be taken care of. We just need to get with God first. We need to seek God first. You see, as we get with God, we're able to hear from God. As we get with God, we're able to hear from God. And we're able to acknowledge our humility before God, our dependence on God, our need for God. And we hear from God, and we're able to seek God's will for our day. We're able to seek God's will for the decisions that we're going to make. We're able to seek God's will for those he may allow us to run into. We're going to seek God and get his will for our lives, our marriages, our families, our children. We're going to seek God and his will for us. It's that time where we're able to get with the Father. We're able to commune with Him and have a conversation with Him before we seek to have those conversations with others. We see this principle practiced all throughout the Scriptures. We're a whole lot better at having conversations with others when we have a conversation with God first. We're a whole lot better at speaking God's truth and love with others when we have a conversation with God first. We're a whole lot better at sharing Jesus without fear when we have a conversation with God first. We're a whole lot better at living as witnesses for Jesus when we have a conversation with God first. We're a lot better at living for God and loving others like God when we have a conversation with God first. So we see that God has these conversations with us and he longs for us to have these conversations. As James told us, the same James, he said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. What does that mean? It means draw near to God and have a conversation with God. He'll draw near to you. That allows us then to have conversations with others with the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the truth of God. As we seek him first, he allows us then to minister to others. And then we see some benefits as we look at these conversations, as we look at the conversation that happened for these 15 days, we see benefits that happen from these conversations. We see them in our lives as well. Number one, conversations teach us. Conversations help us learn about one another. Paul went up to Jerusalem so he could learn about Peter and James. Go with me for just a moment. Can you imagine those conversations? Peter, up first because Peter always liked to talk quickly. There's somebody talking, it's generally Peter. Peter, no doubt, would share about ministering with Jesus, about walking with Jesus. Observing the miracles of Jesus, how Jesus fed the 5,000, how Jesus fed the 4,000. Sharing with Paul about how he cut the ear, the right ear of Malchus off with the sword 
the high priest servant when they came to arrest Jesus. And then balancing that out by saying and sharing about how he denied Jesus three times after serving with Jesus. How he watched Jesus be crucified on the cross. How he stood at a distance and watched as they took the body down and laid it in a tomb. And how he ran to the tomb and found that it was empty and how the ladies shared that Jesus was alive and how he and the other disciples were in Galilee and Jesus appeared to them and they saw the risen Savior and how they were in Bethany outside of Jerusalem and they all of a sudden as Jesus was blessing them, they watched as Jesus ascended into heaven. How the Holy Spirit came and dwelled on the Pentecost in Jerusalem. How Peter preached that first sermon there in Jerusalem. And how Peter said, you can't believe this, Paul. Man, 3,000 people. Paul may have said, oh, come on, man. There's no way. That's, you're a preacher speaking there. That's ministerially speaking. No, 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 no. 3,000 people received Christ as their Savior. They were baptized. They joined the church. Paul sharing with these guys about the Damascus Road. No doubt they're going, okay, man, what on earth happened to you? We're not even still sure we can hang here with you. Well, yeah, I was walking Damascus Road. He said, Jesus confronted me. He changed me. He said, I couldn't see. I was blinded. He said, I had to be led into Damascus. He said, for three days I couldn't see, I didn't eat, I didn't drink. And then some dude named Ananias came. And I'm literally in the dark. And he lays his hands on my eyes and all of a sudden I could see. It was like scales fell off my eyes, guys. And I immediately got some food and I, I was baptized in obedience to what God wanted me to do. So then I went to Arabia and I went to seminary with God and he taught me and he trained me. It was amazing that time in Arabia and Damascus. I was even doing some preaching and teaching. And, and I began to realize the error of Judaism and legalism and works righteousness. And I began to see for the very first time the beauty of God's grace to us in Christ Jesus. James his turn, and James no doubt sharing with the guys about what it was like to have Jesus as a brother growing up. And those guys no doubt saying, well, did Jesus ever do anything wrong? Did Jesus ever say anything wrong? Hey, did Jesus ever punch you? Did he ever beat you up? James like, no, Jesus. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's Jesus, he wouldn't have done that. Could you imagine James talking about what's going on in the first church in Jerusalem, how God's exploded the church, and how the persecution against the church, oh yeah, by the way, that was you, uh, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, what you tried to do to us, I guess we can kind of high-five you and say thanks, because it actually exploded the church. And now the church isn't just local in Jerusalem, it's spreading throughout the world. You see, 
Conversations help us learn about one another. Conversations help us learn why we believe what we believe, why we do what we do. Conversations help us learn about our past. Conversations help us learn about our strengths and our weaknesses. Conversations help us learn about our successes and failures. Most importantly, conversations help us learn about what God has done in our lives. Helps us learn about how God changed us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Helps us learn about what God is currently doing in our lives. Helps us learn about how God is teaching us and growing us into the image of Christ. Conversations are vitally important because they teach us. Secondly, conversations unite us. They unite us. Conversations unite us together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Paul knew Peter and James were his brothers in Christ. Paul knew that they were going to cross paths in ministering for Jesus. And so he knew under the Holy Spirit's inspiration that he needed to get Jerusalem so he could get to know these guys because he was going to be doing ministry with these guys. And so as they began these conversations, as we will see as we continue studying, we're going to see this play out as we continue studying through chapter 2 and beyond. These guys' conversations included, no doubt, their conversations about their oneness and their unity in Christ Jesus. It included conversations about their forgiveness by Jesus, their faith in Jesus, their focus on Jesus, and their future with Jesus. Though they were from different backgrounds, though they had different life experiences, though they had different personalities, though they had different passions and skills and talents and abilities, though they were called by God to minister to different people groups in different areas, they were united together as brothers in Christ Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. They were witnesses for Jesus together. And their conversations united them together. It taught them about one another. And then it bonded them together with one another. Conversations unite us together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. You see, when we have conversations with one another, face-to-face, in person, when we get into those conversations with one another, we're reminded, we're able to see how we are unified together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're able to see how we are united in our forgiveness by Jesus, our faith in Jesus, our focus on Jesus, our future with Jesus. We're able to see these things. And though we come from different backgrounds with different life experiences, though we have different personalities, passions, skills, talents, and abilities, we are united together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. We're witnesses for Jesus. And these conversations unite us together. And they help us to understand we got a whole lot more in common with one another than we have differences with one another. And the things that we have in common with one another are so much more important than those things that we may see differently. You see, Satan hates us, and he constantly tries to discourage, divide, and destroy us by his lies and temptations to us on a day-by-day basis. Those are lies and temptations to believe the things he's telling us about us. And those lies and temptations are designed to get us to believe the things he's telling us about others. It's always important for us to remember and realize that the only thing he can do is lie. The next word of truth out of his mouth will be the first. It's impossible. He's the father of lies. He 
can't speak for them. When we have conversations with one another, unites us together in our unity in Christ Jesus and helps us to stand firmly together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And then we see conversations help us. The conversations between Peter and Paul and James helped Peter and Paul and James. It helped them get to know one another. These conversations did exactly what Paul wanted them to do. They helped them get to know one another. They helped them become acquainted with one another. They helped them to learn about one another. Which you know what that did? It helped them, and we're going to see this. It's coming soon as we continue our study. It helped them get a hold of this, to confront one another. It helped them to correct one another. It helped them to encourage one another. It helped them to forgive one another. It helped them to love one another. It helped them to ministry uh, and to minister effectively to those God placed around them with one another. It helped them in ministry together. Because the family of God is blessed by God when there's unity in the body. And the conversations that these guys had, these guys had for 15 days, these conversations, they were the background, the foundation, the springboard for the ministry that we're going to continue to see happening, and we're going to jump right into it in chapter 2. We get into it immediately. Conversations help us today get to know one another. Conversations help us to become acquainted with one another. Conversations help us to learn about one another. Conversations, therefore, help us to carry one another's burdens. Conversations help us to correct one another. Conversations help us to confront one another in love. Conversations help us to comfort one another. Conversations help us to encourage one another. Conversations help us to forgive one another. Conversations help us to live in humility with one another. Conversations help us to love one another as Christ has loved us. Conversations help us to look not only to our own interests, but also the interests of one another. Conversations help us to obey God. God's word with one another. Conversations help us to pray with and for one another. Conversations help us to serve with one another. Conversations help us to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. Conversations help us to bless one another in and for and through Christ Jesus. Conversations are so important. And understand here, these conversations helped Paul, Peter, and James. James, follow me now, James learned about the value, the importance, the power of conversations, no doubt in part due to what was going on in these 15 days, because later in James' book, he said these words, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. He said, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. He said, listen, everyone Everyone, listen. And this is the James that was the lead pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. This was the James that probably 
lead me. Help us, brothers and sisters in Christ, to rest. As a result of the persecution led by Paul. James said, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen. to listen and heard about what God had done in Paul's life. And they rejoiced together. You see, conversations help us to listen to one another so that we can learn about one another, so that we can learn from one another. Why? So that we can love one another and so that we can live one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So that we can accomplish God's righteousness, God's purposes for us as his family, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. To tell others the good news of Jesus, to help others grow up in their faith in Jesus, is to love one another like Jesus so that those who do not know Jesus, we are able to tell that we are followers of Jesus because of how well we love one another like Jesus. So Paul here, shared these words at the beginning of Galatians, focusing in on the art of conversation, sharing that he actually did that himself. And then there's no mistake as he comes to the end of Galatians and we'll get to it at some point. And he ends talking about these conversations, talking about relationships. As he said, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good for all, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Especially, let us do good to our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm.